0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's three days of time, baby. Rip City is jumping now. Ah, okay,
1: Brindle up the middle. Hit. Oh. 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 Right. Come on,
0: everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 326th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am
1: Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage. she live and direct ready to talk about the Blazers. It's been a minute since we've actually talked about the Blazers and not the incredible draft prospect that is Jairus Walker. So uh, <laughs> I'm excited to uh, talk to you about this this team that's frustrating and good at, some, at the same time. So uh, how are you doing, man?
0: Uh, it's been an eventful morning in the Haas household. Um, we have a very elderly cat going on the age of 17, Um, and her back legs don't work, work the best. Everything else is great. Just, you know, they start giving out on you. You get up, get up in age and the gas tank starts running on empty a bit. And, uh, yeah, we had a litter debacle. Um, so the bedding is in the, the laundry, the floors are getting cleaned and, uh, you know, factor in a, you know, two and a half month old baby. And, uh, you have a perfect recipe for just chaos reigning supreme in the Haas household. But it is Friday. Uh, we are recording. It's game day. Uh, I get to see your lovely face, and I, I will, I will do whatever is humanly possible to carve out whatever time I can to speak with you because I enjoy this so much. So, regardless of everything that is going on, you know what? We're still here. We still get to talk basketball. Um, so, all in all, you know, I'll take this any day of the week.
1: Man, well, I know that you have chaos reigning supreme, but I'm a fan of knowledge reigning supreme over nearly everyone. That's a KRS one. (laughs) I was going to interrupt you mid-sentence to do that, but I waited. So I feel pretty proud of myself.
0: (laughs) You got to respect your elders. He's one of the goats. Currently standing, uh, let's do a quick recap. The Blazers are sitting 12th in the Western Conference at 29 and 33. Uh just one in three uh since we have last checked in uh after the All-Star break that lone win coming with Dame's 71 point performance against uh, the lowly Houston Rockets. If the draft lottery were to take place today, the Blazers would be sitting in ninth. They would have a 20.3% chance at getting a top 4 pick and the 4.5% chance at getting Victor Wembanyama. Uh so not all is lost there. Um, they had a tarmac debacle during the snowpocalypse last week uh, that was basically a schedule loss. Uh, they they arrested Dame and Jeremy Grant, losing 133-116 to 116 to the Kings. As mentioned, Dame puts up a historic efficient 71 in a 17-point victory over the Houston Rockets. And then they dropped uh, consecutive games uh really tough loss against the Golden State Warriors where they led by 23 points in the second quarter and they ended up losing by 18. So that's a really significant swing and just shows the the immense shifts in style of play and results that this team can achieve. Uh and then they then they then they lost to a slumping New Orleans Pelicans team uh 121 to 110. Dame puts up another 40 point piece but ingram matches him and they just get uh, you know extra contribute extra contributions and the blazers didn't not uh so it was kind of the the tail of the tape this year uh dame does what he does but there's just not really much else left uh in the refrigerator to keep you hungry and and we are where we are the blazers embark on a six game road trip uh they're in atlanta right now to play the hawks and it will run through uh march 12th so they basically are playing six games in in eight nights. And uh it's gonna be difficult, Sage, because they are still without Yusuf Nurkic, still without Justice Winslow. And the topic I want to get to first is they are going to be without Anthony Simons to kick off this road trip. As we know, uh the day before uh the all-star break, Anthony Simons injures his ankle. It is a grade two. Everywhere I found online, grade two is a three to six-week rehabilitation process. They had him back on the court in two weeks. Sage, uh this is this feels malpractice to me because you have a lost season. We all know this is lost. Like it how embarrassing was it during that broadcast to keep hearing the announcer say, "Oh, this is a huge game for both teams. They are fighting for that 10th and final play-in spot." We're not talking about the 8th playoff spot back in the old days. We're talking about the 10th spot. So we're lowering the bar even lower and that that was what we were playing for. So that was embarrassing on another level. But you're bringing him back early in a lost season when you continue to send mixed signals to the fan base by saying, we want we're not tanking, we want to win, yet you're not utilizing the buyout market. You didn't get any, you didn't address any short-term concerns at the trade deadline. And you traded away your best rebounder currently in, in Josh Hart. Now, I agree with what they did at the deadline. I think they should be tanking. I think they should be doing all of this, but you say one thing and you do another. But even I'm getting mixed signals with this. Anthony Simons rushing back to injury because it's clear, it's clear they want to make the lottery. But I, I, I don't, I don't think it was worthwhile to do the PR hit to say, oh, we're we're playing Anthony. We're not tanking. You're gonna mess up this kid's ankle. Like ankle injuries nearly derailed Steph Curry's career. So they need to be extremely cautious here and not rush a player back for games in, in February and March, bro.
1: Yeah. Uh... At least the New Orleans Pelicans can say, if we get the 10th spot, get Zion, that is a legitimately scary team. The Blazers, I mean, it, it, Dame has to be so heroic for us to be in games. So it's, I, I think it was very, he obviously wasn't 100%. And we played him in a, in, in a game that just didn't matter. But like, it it throws everybody off like they had their assigned roles. Ham knew he was starting going to play 18 to 24 minutes. Well, with Anthony Simons back, everybody's role got reduced and he it was just like a it was it wasn't a wise thing to do in terms of rotation. You got to see what you got in these these young wings. So you just take time away from them to play Ant in a game where he's obviously hurt. It doesn't make sense on any real level, except we want to make it so people realize that we're "quote unquote" trying in this fugazi season of like, yeah, we're trying. the The one thing that that shocks me is how just irresponsible it was for Anthony Simons. You put a hundred million dollars gave him a contract for a hundred million dollars and then you're going to rush him out for no reason like he's like it or not he's in our plans for the next five years four years or, after. or he's your best trade ship one or the other well you probably shouldn't damage your best trade chip. ding ding, it was, just, ding. It, it was just so irresponsible like who the fuck thought that was a good idea and now probably, he might be injured for the year
0: Probably the same people who thought it was a good idea to rest Dame and Jeremy for the Sacramento game. Because like it or not, the optics of that scream the Blazers are tanking. Everyone else on that team made the trip and they went out and played. I don't care if it was Chauncey's call, Cronin's call. I don't care whose call it was. The Blazers can't get in their feelings and say, oh, we're not tanking. When you rest your star player and maybe your second or third best player, after the All-Star break, in which you get seven, eight days. Jeremy had seven or eight days off. Dame did, did a two-day stint in Salt Lake City. I get that it was a terrible, no-good, bad travel experience getting to Sacramento. But your teammates went through that. You're already there. I, I don't understand the, the decision to arrest them. I think the optics are absolutely horrendous. And then you get a fan base who's like, oh, we're we're not tanking. Well, look at it from a national perspective. You get that notification that says Dame and Jeremy are out for rest the day, the game after the all-star break. Yeah. That's going to raise some eyebrows. And yeah, you're going to get called out for it because it doesn't look good. And so when you have to explain yourself, it it just takes away for, we're just trying to watch some basketball. And then you have the article that Jason Quick um, wrote where Dame basically said, you know, before the Houston game, you know, this is it. We got to go. It's it's all in now. One, how many times have we read that same article over? Two, I love you, Dame, but that message has to fall on somewhat deaf ears when you're not out there playing. I don't know if it was your call or not. And, I, and I'm not blaming Damian Lillard for not playing. But what I'm saying is when you make a a, a comment like that or a rallying cry, And you're not out there in the trenches that has to fall on deaf ears. Because I remember when Willie Taggart left Oregon ducks in 2017 coached for one season and he dipped to Florida state and it left Oregon kind of high and dry. And Mario Cristobal stepped in to coach the Vegas bowl against Boise state. Well, Royce Freeman was a decent draft prospect and he came back for a senior year and he decided not to play. Well, Mario Cristobal allowed him to stay on the sidelines and he was trying to coach up the guys on, on the sidelines when things got tough. And the announcers were were kind of like, that message has to not be landing because you're you're healthy. You're just choosing to rest, which is in his personal best yeah. interest. But you you have to also realize your words aren't going to have the same impact mm-hmm. because your pads aren't on and your helmets not. Well, you know, think left, remember
1: left. when Festus Ezeli did the same thing, like tried to coach up a, a, yep. a struggling Blazers team and, and CJ flat like, up. Yeah, shut that shit up. You know, it, it it was announced early. Like, I remember that day in a DFS perspective where I was just like, ooh, let's get all these shitty Blazers in my lineup. And if they do well, I'll make a lot of money. <laughs> so I, I remember, it. I mean, speaking about it now, it seems like it's, at the time, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. I was just like, ah, whatever. But then, having Anthony play a meaningless game just makes that that, that the 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 benching seem weird. But I don't know. I, I think it's time for. I know that a lot of people have this like never say die feeling about their favorite teams, and I get it. But man, I I just don't I I don't understand it when only reason we're in games is because game right and i want to talk about his ability to get to the free throw line because that is really saving him like if he doesn't shoot 80 percent from the line he still gets 16 free throws a game to put up points and i but we're not good enough Let, let's
0: uh yeah let's switch gears and let's talk uh, about the brilliance of damien lillard i think he was robbed quite frankly, of the Western Conference Player of the Month for February. Again, Player of the Month. Not not Team of the Month. So Jokic puts up a 22-point triple-double. Great. Dame had a better... Dame flat-out had a better month.
1: Did you know yeah. that he would have had 11 assists if his teammates made shots on that uh, Houston Rockets game? Uh, yeah, it was Houston. Yeah, he would have yes. had all of that points and then 11 potential assists that clanked out because our teammates suck. Not only
0: is he a 6'2 guard... He's doing this without his starting center. Like Drew Eubanks is a starting center. Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel are his starting wings. Again, two players absolutely buried on the bench in their respective teams, uh, New York They're and Philadelphia. Teams. <laughs> All of this Dane puts up the most efficient 71-point game in NBA history, the eighth highest output. I don't care who it was against, it's still an impressive feat for the month. He averaged 38 and a half points on 50 40 90 splits you're looking at 49.6 from the field 41.3 for 41 from three and 96.3 percent from the line dishing Huge out seven line, assists yeah. dishing out seven assists and putting up five points pulling down 5.6 rebounds i'm sorry the Jokic is uh an incredible player and i don't want to take anything away from him but this was dame's month god damn it and he had he had flat out had a better month and it's disrespectful that The media keeps overlooking him Uh, like I'm sorry. The roster is beat up and battered and he's playing with he's he's being coached by Chauncey Billups. That should be worth at least
1: like 10 votes right there. Come on, man. Come on. Everybody on this team actually have everybody on this team relies on him to set them up like no one else can do any like that starting lineup that you just said can't do shit for themselves. The only people that can do shit for themselves is Nasir and Shaden, and they're buried on the bench and sometimes play eight minutes a game. Are you worried about Jeremy Grant? Does he? Oh, hasn't yeah. Had a game. yeah, yeah. So he. This was on my topic. Okay, so we'll talk. We'll
0: push Dame back a little bit because I need to get into this. Uh, first of all, what um, what a disappointing uh, twenty twenty three for 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 Jeremy Grant. Uh, the numbers have. Stead- I'm looking at his his splits right now for for the month, and you know he he came out. Gangbusters! He's averaging twenty-five points a game, shooting forty-eight percent from the field and fifty from three in November. Fifteen games in November, absolutely, you know, stunning. Drops down a little bit to twenty-two points per game, but in January and February, it has really fallen off uh, a cliff. Especially February, down to forty-three percent shooting from the field. A chilly twenty-three percent from the three-point line. Seventeen points. He's taking twelve shots to get those seventeen points and sage my my biggest my biggest beef with Jeremy Grant and the potential of of paying him that much money he averages 4.4 rebounds this year that is that as a as a starting power forward in this league who plays 36 to 38 minutes that ranks him 106th in the entire association the blazers simply need him to rebound the fucking basketball
1: without josh hart and uh Yusuf nurkic on the floor too you got a six nine center who gets out of position so much with his defensive, you know aggressiveness. A, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, so him only getting four rebounds. His guards, his point guard's getting more rebounds recently than he is. I'm kind of worried. Like I obvious, don't want to pay him that contract. November, no Jeremy
0: was a revelation. I remember talking in November. I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong about this trade. Yeah, he's totally. I, to I, think he, I think you could get two first-round picks for Jeremy Grant. Right now, I think he'd be hard-pressed to get a decent first-round pick from the way he's performing.
1: Knicks level like,
0: or lottery? You will not get a lottery pick. You might get a Josh Hart-level pick for Jeremy Grant because you have to factor in what you have to pay to for pay him. him. Yeah. And what hurts even more, we have been on Team Rebuild for, for a few years now, is... <laughs> That pick, the Milwaukee Bucks 2025 pick that we acquired via New Orleans for CJ McCollum, mm. we, we sent that to Detroit with our trade exception for Jeremy Grant. Detroit routed that pick to New York and ended up taking Jalen Duran, just yeah. a man child of a young center, the youngest player in the league. And he just looks like a cornerstone for, for that roster for the next 10 to 15 years. Seeing Drew Eubanks out there, uh, I would love to have Jalen Duran as our starting center right now because we are not getting what we need from Jeremy Grant. And to factor him into any long term plans right now, that's like 100 million minimum. doesn't seem super viable or realistic or a pathway to success when you, when you add in how much a Dame's making, Ant's getting 25 mil. You want to give Jeremy 25, 30 million a year too? You just can't. Not with the cap the way it is and being a small market franchise. The, the, the Blazers, they're going to have to continue to shed salary, which we saw with Josh Hart. That Losing Josh Hart was absolutely a byproduct of wanting to pay Jeremy Grant down, uh, down the road in, in the summer. And you're going to probably do it for another five-year deal. Sage, I just have the feeling that nine months from now, trade deadline or near the trade deadline next year, it's going to be a Norm Powell situation where he's locked into a long-term deal, the Blazers are going to be struggling, and you're going to be thinking, how the hell do we get out of this contract? And the Blazers, they did it to themselves. Like There's just this obligation to try and win, and and I understand that with how incredible Lillard has been playing, but I, I don't want them to make poor decisions to not only hinder the process now, because we're worse now than we were a couple years ago with Terry Stotts, Mm-hmm. But also, you're giving up assets that could help to build this team up to where it could be in like five or six years, where you could be a true contender like Jalen Dern, Shaden Sharp, and Sir Little, plus whatever lottery pick you get this year. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is a foundation. Jeremy Grant putting up 17 and four as a 28, 29 year old on a $200 million contract
1: that gets you nowhere. And I'm sorry, it's just Jeremy like, Grant. it's just you like, I gotta a, play better. It's just like, We're on a merry-go-round, just doing the same shit, expecting different answers. Like, the merry-go-round of mediocrity. What's
0: up? It's the merry-go-round of mediocrity.
1: Yeah, like, I get it. We were really complimentary of Jeremy Grant in November. Because he deserved it. He He deserved it. But now it's just like, man, is he that much different than Nasir Little right now? Like, honestly. Like, he's got that, he has the Euro step to, potentially potentially score for himself but right now all he's doing really is getting spoon fed by Dame he's not worthy of being the second best player on the court right now I wanted to wait until the podcast to talk about
0: it but when you see Damian Lillard go off the court I want our listeners to watch his shot selection especially without another creator so he's being asked to be a second option I think he's an elite fourth option but when he's a first or second option, watch that shot selection, because if it's not spoon fed for a catch and shoot three, his shot selection is absolutely abysmal. He can't, he's, he's lost the ability to get by his defender. Remember when he was just going super scion and going by Zion for that just massive dunk early on this year, That's, yeah. he can't get by his man. He's settling for these wonderful contested pull-ups quick in the shot clock. And as one of the, the leaders of the team, I, I also noticed that like, A lot of our players kind of follow suit like when dames out watch the shot selection it's Mm. one
1: pass we have to we have to fix this 10 point deficit now i'm gonna go and i'm
0: just gonna shoot like a 19 year old shaden sharp shouldn't be the second most willing passer on the team right now that's Mm. and that's how it watch shaden's not forcing anything he'll pass the ball he'll dribble he'll you know look for for an open person and he'll shoot if he's open like if anything i think you need to tell him to shoot a little bit more but you have a 19 year old rookie who didn't play any, any, any college basketball is the the second most willing passer. Like that's like Cam Watford, even the seer has got kind of got that extra green light going lately. And it's like, okay, guys, you have to work as a team. And I think they're kind of following suit from, from a guy like Jeremy, who's when he's on the court without Dame, he's the guy. And when they see, Oh, Jeremy's doing it. Everyone kind of it gives
1: us the ability to do this too. If this secondary guy's doing this thing, I part part of my frustration with that second unit, especially when Jeremy's handling the ball, our spacing is fucking horrendous. Fucking super horrendous. Like, you know, when you're when you're watching a college player and the spacing isn't right. So you kind of imagine what it's like in NBA spacing. I mean, imagine what it's like in college spacing in that second unit. We're so crammed in the paint. One of the reasons why that, that shade and sharp dunk was so impressive four dudes in the way. <laughs> I, 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 in order to finish in the paint with this team, you have to have a level of craft that only Dame has. Shaden's just using pure athleticism to dunk it on people. Dame's using craft. Are We need to not have these non-shooters surrounding. I, I, I think if the, the, the spacing was better, Jeremy would play better. But right now, it's not really possible.
0: I mean, he clearly needs another creator out there oh, on the yeah. floor. And, and I, I am aware of that. However, when you want to get paid like a first or second option, when the chips are down and and bodies are on the bench because of injuries or foul trouble, and you have to be the lead lead alpha dog, you need to be the lead alpha dog and show mm-hmm. that you can do that. Otherwise, the the salary has to match the performance. And I'm sorry, Portland should be no, nowhere near sniffing a long term, two hundred million dollar contract for an elite fourth option. That, that's that's just that's just my my point of, point of view right now.
1: Yeah, it there's just. Uh... Outside of Dame and his greatness, there's just so many things that are wrong with this team in terms of our defensive effort the entire game, our spacing, our offensive effort. Like, it's just a fucking awful
0: place to be in
1: as a pro franchise. I
0: won't go into it too in-depth, but a poster on Reddit broke down uh, Chauncey Billups and Terry Stotts utilizing... um, Each year of their coaching in Portland, their two most used lineups and their defensive rating, the most damning at the overall, like, I think synopsis Terry did much more with the similar amount of roster. Like you especially look at the 21 team Terry's last year and the 22 team before Dame got hurt, basically using the same roster and the defensive ratings are are, are night and day. So uh, we'll link it in the description. If you want to take a deep dive, there's good video breakdowns, but the Blazers defensive scheme under a so-called defensive minded head coach have been abysmal. Like there is no reason like this roster is right now it's hurt, but I've seen Terry Stotts work absolute wonders with similar situations. Terry Stotts for half of more than half of his tenure didn't he had Alfred Camino as a starting power forward. Yeah,
1: no, like he, he has a Jeremy Grant. Yeah, like, Stats would kill for a talent like Jeremy Grant to be the power forward. It it's uh Yeah, our, our team's kind of in a bad
0: place. Like let's talk bro, about what's gone right though. You wanted to talk about Damien's mastery at getting to the free throw line.
1: Oh yeah, it I mean. I think before he would get like seven free throws a game, but now he's like essentially doubling that skill set and getting to the line like 13, 14 times a game. I know average is like 10, but there's some games where he just doesn't get the call. But the way he gets to the line, it just adds so much safety in his numbers. Like he's shooting 95% from the free throw line, so it's he's going to hit nine out of 10 at a minimum. So, you know, getting all those extra points is... The clock has stopped. He gets a chance to, you know, do his routine, get a save himself a little bit because all he's doing is driving to the hoop and hitting threes. So even when he isn't hitting like 70% from three, he can have those free throws and it still bumps him up from what, like, let's say he scores 18 real points, but he goes to the free throw line for 14, he's getting 32. I had to do some quick math because I forgot the numbers that I said. Um, But the, the way he gets the line, like before, I think he didn't. He was getting hit the same as 2015 to now. But now he's showing that he's getting hit and going to the line. Before, I think he was too tough. To, embrace, to to show that contact happened. Now he's showing that contact's happening and he's going to the line and it's a lot of safety and numbers that he's producing with his free throws. Like now we, we we could not handle in the past a 30% Damian Lillard shooting game. Now we can because of his free throws. But he, he's awesome.
0: So at Dame 32, going on 33 this July, arguably playing the best basketball of his entire career. So, you could say he's still peak Dame given his style of play, uh, the amount of uh wear on the tires, so to speak,
1: minutes played per game.
0: Yeah, how how much longer could you do you realistically do you realistically expect Dame to be playing at not not this level, but like at least an all star level? Like, do you think next year he'll still play at this level and then he'll you know, how many how long do you see this going? for, for damien lillard because i mean it, it's truly incredible that he's, he seems to be like a fine wine like every year he figures out a way to extend his range to show how to get to the free throw line just to, to to find different nooks and crannies and angles and he just seems to be getting better and more efficient like i don't remember even dame a few years ago shooting this efficient it's the efficiency it's like the, the curry efficiency levels that have really popped uh, like when you see someone with that usage basically go 50, 40, 90 for an entire month with so many players out and him being the guy, defenses know exactly who mm-hmm. they have to stop, and he's still doing that. Obviously the 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 surgery to repair the core helped and prolonged his career, but how long do you think he is able to to keep this this level going?
1: Well, I think you have to think about who's on the roster with him. So if we keep on the same mediocrity I think he's probably got at least 3 years of really really awesome performances but the second he loses I think the one of the major things about him is that he can find the the mismatch on the court like when he when he played against the Utah Jazz they tried to double him when Lowry marketed and he just ran by him, like just went to corner drove. So it, as long as he can still use that that first step and the, the, to good around people, I think he's still going to be amazing. But if that ever goes, it's going to be really difficult for him if we don't improve the the core around him. I uh, like, I think a good core would increase his. Look at, look at Stephen Curry, a great core, expen- extended his life. So I think if we had like guys that were actually like good basketball players that could play defense and, you know, help with the usage, like, I also think that with how injured we are, like, who else is going to handle the ball so much? So we give him every bit of, like, in the, uh, in the uh Houston Rockets game he had like 56% of all of the offensive responsibilities and if he actually if his teammates actually made the baskets i think it would have been like 60 so he he he's handling this huge responsibility i i kind of remember us talking about how you know he was struggling a month ago so i think having all of this responsibility on himself has motivated and empowered him to handle shit because i remember there was times where we're like he can't take all these awful ass shots (laughs) but now that that shot would be like ah, well it's fine it's dame so he's always had the huge 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 ceilings and then we're on we're on a heater because there's no one else that can do anything on this team
0: so there's, there's 20 games left in the season. The Blazers are, are 29 and 33. They have a, a, a six-game road trip coming up. 12 of the last 20 are, are on the road, where their road record has has really deteriorated over the, the course of the season. They are now 12 and 18 uh, away from home, and, and they used to be one of the best road records uh, early on in, in to start the season. Sage, at what point do the Blazers... Uh, wave the white flag where, where are you predicting it? Is, it is it after this this road trip let's say they go one and five like if the, i keep seeing the the comment oh they're only two games in the last column back of sixth and it just seems like you know we keep saying that oh they were three games back of the third seed oh now it's we're three games back of the fifth seed and now we're down to the 60 so that, that number the seeding keeps dropping but the number mm-hmm. still stays the same you know you look at the standings. Uh, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix with Kevin Durant, Golden State with Steph back, Dallas, Clippers. Those are the top seven. I don't think those are going anywhere. I think Minnesota is slowly figuring it out. And I think New Orleans is going to get healthy enough Mm -hmm. and and they will be in there as well. So you're looking at nine spots. And then you've got Utah who traded away a a cluster of of talent to probably try and and improve their Wimbanyama sweepstakes as well. Portland. Uh, Los Angeles, who is now going to have to do this without LeBron James for a while, and Oklahoma. Do you think LeBron
1: pl- plays
0: this year? I, I, I don't know, but you have those those four teams for, for one spot. Do you think, if even if they go one and five, but they're still within the 10th seed, do you, do you think they, at what point do they just be like, we don't want the 10th
1: seed? Like, it's this is just like not,
0: this I is not happening. I think it's
1: the last possible second. We wave the, the white flag. Even I with think- Mike
0: Schmitz in, in the front office, because you know, they're, they're also increasingly close to getting a top six pick. Yep. So right now the, the Indiana Pacers are 28 and 36, the Blazers are 29 and 33. They are three games back of the sixth. They are a game out, out of seventh Portland. Just for a friendly reminder, when Portland won the draft lottery in 2007, they had the, the seventh best odds at doing so. So it's been done before. Uh, your chances at, at seven, you have, a cha- you have a 32% chance at the top four pick versus a 20% chance right now. And you have a seven and a half percent chance at Victor Wimbanyama versus four and a half right now. So you nearly double your chances at Victor Wimbanyama, a player who I think is really the only realistic viable option to win. Now with Dame and in the future with, with Shaden Sharp, um, I think if they have a bad road trip, they they really start to to relax it. I think they they have to look Dame in the eye and say we're we're not doing this for the tenth seed. We we have a legitimate shot at getting a good lottery pick. We gave it the old college try. You know there would be fourteen games left in the season, and the, and the schedule is is not lighting up. Uh, I mean, God, look how long Yusuf and Justice Winslow have have been out. Um, I I think it's not
1: I I feel like if we had competent management sure if we sucked this road trip it probably would be but we're trying they're trying to sell tickets and shit how are they going to
0: sold tickets have been sold though like season tickets are sold I mean you only have eight home games left one of them's against the Warriors so you know you're already going to get opposing fans for, for, for that game um, Pelicans are going to sell with Zion. You're going to get tickets for the Knicks and Celtics. So, I mean, those two teams come with opposing fans as well. And then the other games, you've got Chicago opposing fans and the Clippers. You're going to get the draw with Kawhi and PG. Uh, I, I don't think they'll have a problem selling tickets. I, I, I really think they're going to have to look in the mirror and say, OK, six game road trip. Oh, your next three home games, Knicks, Celtics, Clippers. So now now you're getting to a, a scenario where you have 11 games left and you could just be we really need to go after this 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 pick because that I th- I think that would be tragic to not only run Dame ragged but for what the 10th the seed to to lower your chances like if you want so here here's my thinking with with quote-unquote tanking or just losing to to get a better pick whether you're in the rebuild category or you want to do anything you can to win with Dame you should pray that Portland gets the best lottery pick possible. I've heard the argument that says, no, you make the playoffs and you open up all these other picks that you can, you know, trade now because you've you paid off your debt to Chicago. I'll tell you what, a, a a number six or number seven pick in this year's draft plus the Knicks pick is better than first round picks that you don't know if you're gonna get or five we or six you don't know
1: the years. class next year, too. Yeah, it's just it's
0: people want picks now. Like you can sell your if you trade a star player, like hey, we're bringing in two rookies now. Not we got a haul from, you know, twenty twenty seven, and you just you just don't know. Like there's there's more inherent value now, and I think through hell or high water, you can always tell Chicago, hey, we'll pay you three million dollars, or we'll throw our our second round haul we got from Gary Payton, just unprotected for twenty twenty four, or whatnot, and then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll 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 be done with it. I, mm-hmm. I know that that could be done. Like it's it's not super difficult, but what I do know. Is that whether you want to draft a prospect or you want to trade that pick, you need the lottery pick. Like just having the Knicks pick and then your own picks for the next, that that's not going to get it done. Uh, And it's not going to get it done. You you can beat you can start to beat some packages when you have a top seven pick in this year's draft, plus Mm -hmm. amp plus Nurk, et cetera. Like that's when you can really get things done. Or you can really hit the reset button because you're getting a top tier prospect.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, like I get I get the whole we have to people want to see wins in good basketball, and I get it, but I would have already started taking. I would pull back Dame's minutes.
0: I think it's', it's I would keep playing Dame because if he wants to play, that's fine, and you're already losing, so it's no big deal. But you just got to roll back those minutes a bit. You make sure, like, no more my, my,
1: thirty-nine minute games.
0: Yeah, my thing is, okay, you want to win with Dame. He only has he has a finite resource of how much gas he has left in his, per, you know, proverbial tank, his NBA career. Why are you wasting it on a, uh, on a on a drive where you don't know the destination? This year, the destination you don't know. You're, you're not going for for the championship this year. Save that gas. Absolutely, bottle it up and save it for when you're certain that you know where your destination is. Don't just drive around aimlessly because you're bored. And that's exactly what the Portland Trailblazers are doing this year. They're just driving around because they can, and they're wasting up resources. And when they need that, when they
1: need those resources, it's going to be all dried up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fuck, man. It, it's so weird to look at this team and see what they've done this year with players recovering from injury. Like, Game playing 38 minutes. This game, he comes back.
0: Justice has been out forever with an ankle injury, and they're yeah. going to rush. And for any back, I, I it's just it's super weird. Like I said, they definitely want the lottery pick. They're not signing Nerlands Noel, they're not buying anybody out on the buyout market. Um, the trade deadline was a huge tell in their direction that they want to go, they want to gather assets for, for the offseason. But then rushing Anthony back, like, even threw me for a loop. So I, I'm like, I, I have no idea. The, the vision is completely blurry. Um, they need to go to the optometrist, get some glasses or some, you know, mm. eye contacts, because nobody knows what what the actual fuck this franchise wants to do. Um, there's a huge disconnect, obviously, between Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups. Um, they, they need to get on Chauncey because you they went through one of the most aggressively uh, noticeable tank jobs last season. To land shade and Sharp, and you have he and Nasir Little on the bench playing seven fewer combined minutes than Matisse Thybul, a player just buried on mm-hmm. Philadelphia's roster. You have Cam Reddish, who was absolutely buried on the New York Knicks roster, not playing, I think, in like 30 something straight games. Now starting, now playing heavy minutes. Like, I, if you're gonna lose, at least develop your young talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're everything in, you're
1: in house talent not some
0: nothing, nothing makes sense at all right now in Portland and for me if I want to tune in I want to see Dame I want to see Shaden like I don't think that's asking too much I don't want to see Matisse Thibel. I know what he does he's a he's a solid role player but he should not be playing more than Shaden Sharp Cam Reddish like okay how many reclamation projects is this franchise going to do he's looked all right that's fine but he's also going into year five next year. And how many lottery picks have made a significant jump in year freaking five. Like, and we can she, find fine wherever you can. Yeah, exactly. And like, okay, you you see what you have now. Watch him in practice. Don't let him play too well. Cause then his price is going to go up. Shaden's locked into that contract, the rookie deal. Let's, let's get him some reps. And year is locked into a very team friendly deal. Let's get them some reps. So, um, very frustrating time to be a Blazer fan, regardless of what decision you want them to make, what direction you want them to take, is because there is no direction. They're they're going straight through the fork in the road. They're, they're not choosing anything, and it's it's a bumpy, it's aimless, and nobody really knows where the hell they're going. Um, but hopefully we get some more clarity after this this road trip. Uh, for the sake of brevity, Sage, uh, we will do our predictions off off air and I will tally it for our next uh podcast. Okay.
1: What I know you're a busy man. How relieved were you that Charles Lee wasn't the Atlanta Hawks coach? I was very relieved. Maybe now we can get him. <laughs> I know I, last time I I got to, <laughs> people forwarded me that Charles Lee was a a, a strong candidate for the Atlanta Hawks job. And I was like, oh shit, he's supposed to fit. He's supposed to fix us. He's supposed to save us from Voldemort. And then they, they went with Quinn Snyder. I was like, fuck yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. That that relieved me quite a bit. Cause uh, I don't think I've talked about an a, a, a assistant coach that much ever. So I'm very glad and relieved that he's gone. So, we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. Everywhere you get your podcasts, we will be there. Leave us a nice review, five star, a sub, whatever it is. And uh, we will be back to talk about a draft prospect of the near future. So uh, be excited for that. A lot of uh, content coming this way. And, uh, poof. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night